Good morning. Welcome to Devotionables, brief devotions for busy people. Today we're going to fly over the letters of 2 Peter and Jude, and we're going to focus our attention on three shared themes of these letters, false teachers, God's Word, and blessed assurance. False teachers. Just like false prophets arose in the Old Testament, so Peter tells us in chapter 2, verse 1, there will be false teachers among you. And so we ask, what, what will they do? How will we identify them? Peter teaches us in verse 1 that they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, he says. Notice that the heresy will begin by being smuggled in. It won't be proclaimed openly. In all likelihood, the, the false teachers will assume a heresy and proceed to teach on its basis as though it were true, just like Satan did in the garden. Remember, he assumed creatures have the authority to approve or deny the words of their creator and operated on that basis when he tempted Eve. It's just as though someone said once, false teaching grows in the soil of ignorance. We must be people of the word if we would smell such a deception. Next, I also want to point out that the language that Jesus redeemed these heretics is phenomenological, which is a fancy word for saying they give every appearance that they are saved. However, their fruit reveals their root. Greed, lust, and pride lie in their hearts, not not the Holy Spirit. Just as Satan masquerades as an angel of light, so too do these children of the serpent. Indeed, the wolves will come, Jesus tells us, in sheep's clothing, Matthew 7, 15. Next, Peter teaches us in verse 10 and following that false teachers love to indulge themselves, whether that would be by money, by sex, or by use of their power. And uh, Jude 5-16 through 16 explains much the same thing for his audience. Let's be clear now. Although the saying is popular, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, R.C. Sproul shrewdly observes this. That axiom is flawed because the only being who possesses absolute authority is God himself. And he is absolutely without corruption. You can hear him saying that in his Pennsylvanian accent. Well, it's, it is true that an increase in power increases temptation for sin in a fallen human. False teachers abuse power by serving themselves with it. They live like they have absolute authority, but they don't. Like the shepherds who feed on the sheep in Ezekiel 34, for example. Good authority, however, authors life in those it leads, just like Jonathan Lehman's book, Authority, uh, so wonderfully explains for us. Now, in God's providence, both Peter and Jude teach us that the, the, the same root cause lies beneath these false teachers as they descend into their self-indulgence. What, what is it? They, they both say they despise the lordship of Christ. See 2 Peter 2.10 and Jude 8. Because they will not submit to the authority of their creator and the authority of the redeemer that they claim, they play God with the power that they have. Peter points out that they twist the scriptures like their father the devil did to get their way. See 2 Peter 3.16. You can compare that with Genesis 3 as well as Matthew 4.6. This teaching ought to sober and challenge us. It challenges me as a teacher and reminds us of James's warning, right? That not many of you should become teachers because we will be judged with stricter judgment. James 3.1. This is why we now turn to our next theme, God's Word, because Peter exhorts us, quote, 
not to lose your stability, but to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The end of 2 Peter chapter 3. So if we would stand fast against the winds of false teaching, we must drop anchor in the trustworthy word. Even though Jude explains that false teachers are often, quote, relying on their dreams rather than on God's authority, Jude 8, Peter points us away from dreams and away from heavenly voices and aims to remind us of the truth of God's word. In 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15, Peter states his intention always to remind his audience of the truth that you have and to stir you up by way of reminder. And he intends to labor for them so they would be able at any time to remember these things. Peter didn't want their confidence to rest in him. He was expecting to die soon. And so as we turn to verses 16 to 21 in 2 Peter 1, we see Peter doesn't want our confidence to rest in a voice carried from heaven, verse 17. He heard that voice speak from heaven. It was God's voice with the transfiguration account. And, but Peter teaches us that God's speech at the transfiguration account confirmed the prophetic word that is completely reliable. Verse 19, the Old Testament prophetic witness is completely reliable in its prediction of Jesus, our Savior, and the coming judgment on false teachers and those who will not submit to the Lordship of Christ. We do well, therefore, to pay attention as Peter says, because no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You notice just as the voice was carried from heaven, we have men now carried along by the Holy Spirit, right? That play on words put, makes a nice contrast for us. God's inspired word is our final authority in this life because it is completely reliable. Since false teaching grows in the soil of ignorance, we must saturate ourselves in God's word because the easiest way to identify a counterfeit is to marinate in the real thing. Brothers and sisters, failing to spend time soaking in sound doctrine in fellowship with your local church leaves you vulnerable to all kinds of deception. So be a believer of the word. Finally, blessed assurance. We we shouldn't miss this beautiful element of Jude's structure. Have you noticed, perhaps, when you've read the letter before, that it begins and it ends with the concept of keeping? Believers are described in verse 2 as those beloved by God the Father and those having been kept by Jesus Christ. And then, after pulling back the curtain on false teaching for the majority of the letter, Jude returns to this concept of keeping. He says, believers must keep yourselves in the love of God by building one another up in the faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, and by actively waiting for the Lord's mercy. And you might say, wait, what? I thought Jesus kept us in verse 2, and now we have to keep ourselves? How, how does that work? That's a good question. Well, notice in verse 24 how Jude ends. Now to him who is able to keep or guard you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So within this envelope of Jesus's sovereign keeping in verse 2 and in verse 24, Jude exhorts us to actively aim to keep ourselves in God's love. That is, not isolating ourselves from the church, not neglecting the word, not avoiding prayer, not looking and finding our hope in this life, but aiming to build others up in the faith, praying intentionally and actively, and eagerly awaiting the Lord's mercy. You see, the mark of Jesus' keeping work 
in the life of a believer is that we love his lordship and happily submit to him. The Lord keeps us both by the warning of false teaching and by the exhortation to godly living. And since I titled this section, uh, Blessed Assurance, I thought we would end by suggesting a fourth verse for the famous hymn, and I'm going to channel Jude as we, as we close out. Listen to this verse. Perfect protection, keeping his own. Jesus, our shepherd, reigns from his throne. Beware of false teachers. Be not idle. To build up others, read your Bible. Blessings on you today.